Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 104 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the works of writer-director-producer J.J. Abrams and his extended Bad Robot universe. I'm Matt Crandall, your co-host here, as always, with Marcelo Inestroza, as we continue our rewatch of Fringe. We are diving into season three. Today, we are talking about episodes six and seven. The first episode, 6955 Kilohertz, aired November 11th, 2010. It was written by Robert Chiapetta, Glenn Whitman, directed by Joe Chappelle. Marcelo, weird stations that are broadcasting numbers? Marshall from Alias? What bad robot show are we watching this week? In the opening of the episode, they show a really cool lighthouse. The next couple shots that you see is a lighthouse keeper putting some numbers into a chat. And as the numbers go by, I'm like, wait a minute, are those the numbers? This episode infused the legend of number stations and how it took that idea and made number stations uh, ultimately important by saying uh, somebody implanted a signal into a number station for a nefarious reason. And that led to the people listening to the number stations for them to forget who they were. And it was cool that we saw Marshall from Alias. Yeah. And he didn't have a whole lot to do other than be kind of a physical presence. He's only got one scene with dialogue before he gets chucked out of a window and we find out that he was a shapeshifter, but I was so happy to see him here. The line of this episode being this weird signal buried within this recording of numbers from number stations was very interesting and something that Fringe loves to do. We have had episodes where a kid can basically control your mind because of a frequency he can project. We have had other things where if you hear something weird stuff happens to you. So again, this is another, you hear this weird frequency, you forget everything. We also had that episode where that pulse was making everybody look normal when they were all deformed. So the idea of a signal, an auditory response happening because of a signal buried within a signal is something that fringe has done multiple times. But what I really liked is that number stations are a real thing that, People have like investigated, so they're taking a real life phenomena and applying this fringe twist to it to make it a little bit more engaging. Of course, as you mentioned, I lean forward when we start to see numbers going by in any sort of bad robot thing. And the first numbers we do see are not in the right order, but they are 15, 8, and 42, which later we get a lot more of the numbers that are not the numbers but those three, the first three that we see are part of the numbers. So I was like, hold on, wait a minute. What are we doing here? So I love that. And having this main thing where, you know, all these people have lost their memory and fringe team realizes it's because that they have cracked some sort of code that is being broadcast by these number stations, a code that is so important that whoever is behind these number stations doesn't want them to be able to access this information and share it, which piques our interest and makes us wonder what this could possibly be. And as we start to go down this rabbit hole, we get a lot of mythology download that's going to be very important going forward. Faux Livia and Peter are getting closer. We see them having a romantic breakfast and Peter gives Faux Livia tickets to a U2 concert. And I don't love that they are getting closer and that things have been escalating between them. They're romantic, they're intimate. And there are like so many red flags that us watching 
I'm screaming. So as they are investigating this, they get a list of people that might be involved with this. And of course, one of the people on the list is Edward Markham, the guy that we know from the bookshop. And Peter says to Olivia, check this out. And she goes, Edward Markham? Who the fuck is this? And he's like, what do you, what do you mean? You know this guy. And I'm like, start noticing what is going on, please, for the love of God, Peter Bishop. Marcella, what are you thinking as Peter is really not noticing all of these weird things, and especially the timing of Olivia showing up everywhere that bad shit is going on because in this episode, she's working with Marshall. He is one of her shapeshifter agents and she knows everything that he is doing. Are you getting as frustrated as I am that our favorite hero, Peter, can't see the signs? Absolutely. But the fact that, you know, these blatant things are happening where Olivia is not noticing people that she's met before, she's showing up everywhere. It's really pissing me off. The way that Anna Tor plays faux Olivia is so opposite to the way that she plays our Olivia that it is maddening. She is able to change so much without changing at all. But the fact that Peter can't notice this is asinine. It's just going to make him hate himself when our Olivia shows back up again eventually. Yeah, it is going to be a big issue. And I love that just the subtle things, like she wears her hair differently. She has eyeliner on that she doesn't normally wear that we immediately can recognize, you know, this as faux Olivia and not our Olivia. I do like that early in the episode, we find out that Peter has been trying to work on this thing that they recovered a couple of episodes ago, part of Walternate's machine that only he can activate. And he is trying to figure out what this is, and Walter is against it. He does not want Peter to mess with this at all. And in their conversations, you know, Walter goes so far as to move all of his crap and take this soundboard that Peter was using to decode. And he says, oh, I need this as part of my thing that he's got hooked up to like a a kid's toy for Massive Dynamic. And Peter realizes it's unplugged. And he's like, why do you want to stop me so much? And there's a great conversation between the two of them where Walter says, look, if you're the only one who can bring this machine to power and to life and Walter wanted you to do it, I suspect that this is something that will activate a doomsday machine that will only destroy this universe. The other universe, because you are from the other universe and you are able to activate it, will be safe. And in essence, if you keep down this road, you may bring about the end of this universe. And if you do so, that's on you because we have the warnings. You can't keep going down this road. Bad shit is going to happen. And it literally will be your fault when everyone from this universe you love and care for dies that's on you, son. And I just thought that was really great that Walter, as much as he is worried about Peter, he says also just the ramifications of this. If in your life, if you destroy this universe, are you going to be able to carry on knowing that that's what you did? So I thought that was a really nice moment between Walter and Peter, even though they are frustrated with one another. The other thing that I like about this episode, the fog is clearing as to why uh, Walternet wanted for Olivia to hop into our universe and 
do some investigating or do some mole hunting on our side. So I really, really appreciate that the main reason that Olivia um, came to our side was to find out where pieces of this machine are and to make sure that, for lack of a better word, Peter uh, uh, continued to make this machine and built this machine for some reason. You mentioned the conversation between Walter and Peter. The conversation that I really liked is at the end of this episode where Full Olivia and Peter have a conversation. And Full Olivia basically says, don't you think that the other side would do everything everything that they have to do to make sure that their side is safe and secure? That really rang true to me because that says two things to me. Number one, for Olivia is doing what she's doing because she thinks it's the right thing to do. And I am not 100% sure that if the shoe was on the other foot, our side wouldn't do the same thing. That whole dichotomy of I'm just doing this for my side and if you were in the if you were in the same position as we are, you would be you would do the same thing. I really like that. Yeah, it's great because it really frames why they think, you know, even people doing what we know to be a bad thing think they're on the right side and that it's the right thing to do. And I love that she's really letting us know like they are willing to go to any length to try and get this to to be the positive thing for her side. And so that talk with Peter is really good. And we also introduce a couple other important concepts in this with the number stations. And they talk about the signal being left by the first people, which is a civilization that existed before dinosaurs, supposedly, and that there have been societies and people before us, but extinction level events have taken place. And they reference the vacuum, not a vacuum, but the vacuum being some sort of event that basically erases everything and sucks it all up. And we discovered that by the end of this, that is what they believe this machine that Walternet wants to be built to be. It is a vacuum that would basically suck up our universe into nothingness. And they start to realize that in this book, these codes respond to certain locations where pieces of the machine are buried. And at the end of the episode, they dig one up. They realize the other, whatever it is, 27 locations. And Folivia goes to the typewriter and says, like, they're starting to dig the shit up. We're doing great. I'm getting them on the scent. They're going to put together their own demise. And she gets a message that says, great, that's awesome. Initiate phase two which makes us nervous. And we certainly don't want them to dig up all of these pieces of this horrible machine because this machine is going to be nothing but trouble. Uh, one thing before we, we kind of wrap up this episode, I do want to mention there was a nice funny Walter moment. A lot of this is very serious. Uh, Astrid has a book full of all of these numbers from the number station and all this stuff. And Walter goes, can I borrow that book? And she goes, yeah, sure. And he goes, I feel a bowel movement coming on. And she's like, oh, no. (laughs) I was like, that's hilarious that Walter's going to go read this massive book while he's taking a dump. Uh, That was put a smile on my face. And then the very end of the episode, we do jump universes. So after the initiate phase two 
we jump universes and we see our Olivia and Brandon from massive dynamic, not massive dynamic over there, but Brandon says, we don't need to do any more tests. We're all good. You know, we're cool. And Peter shows up to her in her mind and says, if they don't need you anymore for the test, that means they got whatever information they thought they needed. They might not need you anymore. So you should be on high alert that your life is probably in danger. Marcella, what are you thinking in the final moments of this episode where Olivia gets this warning that Walternet is basically almost done with whatever he needed from her? Olivia really needs to start thinking of an exit strategy because in those last moments, you really understand that our Olivia's, her walls are going to close in. So I'm really interested to see how she's going to go about getting out of here this last scene really indicates that she's she is running out of time yeah and we'll see if she does have an escape strategy in episode seven the abducted which aired november 18th 2010 written by david wilcox graham roland directed by chuck russell marcello the candy man is here what are you thinking as we get a mystery of the week on the other side about some abducted children we get a lot of backstory about broils from that side and the classic trope of there's a monster outside my window. Can I have a glass of water? And the parents saying there's nothing wrong. And then obviously there is something wrong. Yeah. I mean, I, I like this episode, but I'm like, eh, because I, because I'm so invested in the, in the overarching mythology of the season that I really am disappointed that they took a minute to 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 tell this story i do appreciate how it connects to the broils from over there but i would have preferred much more if they would have stuck with uh, uh olivia's deal of trying to get out of uh get out of their universe and jump back into ours it's, it's not quite what i wanted yeah i think i agree with that you know, having broils have a connection to the case is something we have done multiple times in episodes of the week before. And this one being that his own son, Christopher, was a previous victim who escaped the Candyman is mildly interesting. The way that it actually ends up being a lot more interesting by the time it's over is the fact that through Dunham trying to solve this mystery of the Candyman and what's going on, she accidentally reveals to herself to to Broyles that she knows she is not their Olivia. And rather than blowing the whistle and ratting her out because she does Broyles a solid in this episode, he lets it slide, which gets us to the place where we finally want to be because the B story of this episode is Olivia gets Henry to help her because she realizes she needs to go to Liberty Island. She needs to go to the lab. She needs to jump universes because if she does not and Walternet is done with her, they are going to take her out sooner than later. So I thought the B story is the story we care way more about rather than, you know, this priest who's doing this stuff and these abducted children like that is fine. And it keeps your interest. But the meat of this is Olivia realizing she is in a bad spot. She is trapped and they are about to be done with her. And if they decide they can take her out, 
she is so uncomfortable in this universe, it's not going to be hard for them to dispose of her. So I liked everything with her and Henry and their chats and Henry, you know, going so far as to figure to learn how to use a boat to be able to help her is nice, but it's literally her only ally and he is a reluctant ally. So it just shows how alone she is over there because she's turning to this basic stranger who just keeps kind of helping her out of some sort of sense of duty and obligation but it's not like they're BFF at this point. I don't think it's a sense of duty or obligation. I think he's a, just a nice guy who sort of believes that she's not semi-crazy. Because, I mean, let's face it, Matt. In real life, if somebody came up to us and said, Hey, I'm from an alternate universe where 9-11 didn't happen, where Donald Trump didn't become president. Uh, it's so, I mean, I mean, we like science fiction, so maybe we would entertain the idea for a couple of minutes, but it's very highly unlikely that we would help that individual get back to that universe, I think. Um, the other thing that I really liked about this episode is you mentioned it because Olivia does a solid for Broyles in this universe when Olivia says that I can remember that I am not who I am. He sort of says, eh, I'll let that one slide because you helped me out this one time. I'm really interested to see if other members of the fringe team figure out that Olivia is our Olivia, not their Olivia, and to see if they end up help they end up helping our Olivia get back to where she belongs. And if they do that, I'm interested to see what consequences they can uh, what consequences will come upon them as a result of them helping out our Olivia get back to where she belongs. Yeah, it does definitely open that door because there is a universe where if everyone was just going to turn against her, Broyles would have gunned her down right there. Like, oh, you remember? Like, game over. But he's starting to realize that this Olivia, even if she is not there, Olivia, her heart is kind of in the right place. Because she really did go to great lengths to solve this case. And even when they thought they had it solved, she's the one who realizes there's more to it. And that Broyles' son is actually in danger again. So I really liked that through her hard work and doggedness, like Broyles just recognizes, you know, game recognized game. This Olivia is a great agent. She is probably better than their Olivia in terms of really putting the pieces together and doing the work which we know their Olivia is good and is a sharpshooter, but she does like to relax and she doesn't work on weekends. And he's seeing that like, it's not, it's not all bad. And especially knowing that she is not operating with false memories this whole time. She is actually knowing that she is our Olivia. He recognizes that this is her character. He sees her character. Like you're a good person who does the right thing. And if you're a good person who does the right thing, then maybe everyone from the other side is not the villains that I've been told that they're supposed to be. So I thought that really does open a new can of worms for us to play with. Hopefully not that much longer because we are really rooting for Olivia to get the fuck out of that universe. And you said, you know, people wouldn't really believe you if you you would sound crazy. Well... When Olivia does go back to Liberty Island and gets in the tank, she is able to make it back to the gift shop for a limited time. 
So she does tell a cleaning lady, I need you to deliver a message for me, which is wild. If this happened to you, I don't know if you would deliver this message or just be like, someone spiked my coffee with LSD and I'm just calling it a day and going home. But she gets that message out. We don't know what the message is. Walter and it shows up, pulls her out of the tank. So she is captured. She is caught. And we're just praying like, oh my God, what was the message? Cut to our universe. Peter and the bitch are in bed watching Casablanca. (laughs) She doesn't know anything about Casablanca. She thinks that it stars Reagan, not Humphrey Bogart. She doesn't know about the ending. They're hanging out. They're going to bed. Phone rings. Peter picks it up. And we get this message that the cleaning lady follows through and tells Peter, this lady appeared to me. She said her name is Olivia and she is trapped in the other universe. And finally, the look on Peter's face when he's like, "Uh oh, I'm a dumbass. (laughs) But also we wonder, is he going to take this at face value? What is he going to do now? Marcella, what are you thinking as Peter is literally sleeping with the enemy as he finally gets the information we have been waiting seven episodes for him to get. I was like, yes. But also I was like, uh, Olivia got, our Olivia got so lucky because that cleaning woman is the best cleaning woman ever. Because like you said, it's highly unlikely that if you saw something like that, you would think, Hey, it's late. I'm a little tired. Maybe someone spiked my drink. It's, you know, it's a trick of the light. What I saw didn't really happen. So I, I I was really happy that Olivia ran into somebody that actually took her plea seriously and was able to contact our Peter. The other thing is that when Olivia appears to the cleaning lady, she just appears to the cleaning lady for a second. So it's very, very unlikely that Olivia was 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 able to give you know, uh, a number for our Peter. So I'm, so I'm interested to see if the, if the cleaning lady looked up our Peter in the phone book or something, because our Olivia wasn't there for that long. No, she was not. And even if she was, would you be able to remember the phone number? It's five, five, five. Oh, whatever. I would just be freaking out. Like, where did this woman come from? And then she disappeared. So I think that was a, we'll probably find out, but it also might just be like writer bullshit where they're just like, who cares? (laughs) The other thing that I liked quite a bit is for Olivia thinking that Ronald Reagan played the character of uh, Huntry Bogart in um, Casablanca. I mean, all I could think is, you know, you know, you know, he is looking at you, kid. But also, I'm really interested to see how uh, Peter is going to conduct himself now in their relationship if he takes the information uh you know, as face value and how he's going to work around knowing the truth and how he's going to operate knowing that he's been sleeping with a bitch and he's been sleeping with a mole. So it's very, it's going to be very interesting to see him navigate their relationship. And I'm wondering if he's going to have any lingering feelings once full Olivia understands that her cover is now blown and how he is going to react to that. Yeah, we're going to have to find out. Obviously, he's not just going to pull a gun on her or anything. He's going to have to test to make sure this isn't some sort of crazy crank call. But also, we know from last season that Peter still feels like a man out of place. So you're wondering, 
is Folivia going to be able to appeal to him in some sort of way, saying like, you know, we're from the same universe, we are the same, we should do this together, and will Peter be able to be swayed, or will he hold his ground and remember the woman that he actually fell in love with the first time? So there are a lot of questions that we will have going forward, and we'll have to see how that starts to play out now that finally this information is out in the open next week. We will be talking about episodes eight and nine of the third season of Fringe. So if you are following along at home and watching the episodes with us, that is the homework. If you are listening to this show right now, Thank you. We are glad you are here. We are glad you are listening to the episodes. Please like, follow, subscribe, comment. We appreciate everybody who checks out the show. We are on YouTube if you prefer that. We are everywhere, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are on there. If you want to reach out to us, we are on Twitter at JJUniverse815, or you can tweet using the hashtag Radio815. We will read your comments on the show. So if you have any faux Olivia, Peter, Olivia theories floating around, or you just want to set us straight on something we said, you can let us know. I am on Twitter at Matt Crandall. If you want to get in touch with me, Marcelo, Twitter is a great spot to reach you. What is your handle on Twitter? I'm at Creek Fanatic 88. That'll do it for this week. Thanks so much for listening until next time. Radio 815 over and out. Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.